Remember the reading, which wasn't read long ago, just a few seconds ago. A powerful reading about Christ and what he's doing. He touches a leper. I wonder what you don't like touching or meeting. I had a phone call the other day. Hang on, is this thing on? No. I don't really need it. I just switch it on. <laughs> Hello? Is that on? It is on. As I said, I don't really need it. I had a phone call the other day. I'm going to really embarrass my daughter now. I'm the youngest one. said, uh, I'm trapped in the bedroom with Cara. She's our youngest granddaughter. So imagine the door was stuck. Somehow the door locked. and So I went round, went upstairs, and there's Cara and Rachel sat on the bed. She's praying with her, telling her stories. And I thought, what's the problem? And she pointed above the door. One of these. Now it wasn't that big, but in her eyes it was twice the size of that. And... It's sort of anacrophobia. We've all got phobias and fears. And sadly, not having a man in the house to get rid of them, had this great big, and it was big, I'll give you a due, it was big, hanging just above the door. And if you have got phobias, you know how irrational they can be. There might be things you don't like. Last week we were uh, up in Aberystwyth and the guys were, the kids were catching these. Not as big as that. As you can see, I've been raiding the grandchildren's. We've been talking about these. Maybe you don't like these. Now, poetic justice. Chris talking about snakes. I was shooting, I used to go shooting many years ago, rabbit, and everyone goes, ah, oh, you cool man. Shooting rabbits and crows. And uh, I had permission on a farm. I used to go with a, uh, a friend of mine. And one hot July evening, led in the grass, taking a bead, on a little bunny who was totally unaware that a lump of lead was just about to go in his head. And suddenly I got bitten. Didn't see what it was. It was so fast. And suddenly there were two puncture wounds in my wrist. And my hand come up and then my arm. And there was a big poison mark and I ended up in hospital. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know what you think of these. And, um, I don't know. What do you think of these? We saw some of these the other week flying around. Tregaran ran our house. Now I used to go caving when I was slimmer, younger, and more stupid. And we used to find these. They, they didn't bother me, but some people, they bother. Now this next one, it's so close to lunchtime, I don't know whether I ought to show you. Um, do you want to see it? I don't know. It's a bit close to lunchtime, isn't it? I mean, I don't know. I might put you off your lunch. My walking socks. You, know, <laughs> you really wouldn't want to touch those if I'd just been up the sugar loaf or Penny Van, or the Breckens. Uh, so there's things we don't like touching. And you know, Jesus comes down a mountain, and he's with a huge crowd. We had that in our reading. He'd come down the mountain. What was he doing up there? I'll tell you what he's doing. He preached that famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. In fact, it was five sermons, or five discourses, actually, and it was the Beatitudes, include declarations of blessedness, living a life of quality, direction, walking in love. And very practical note, at the end of these five sermons, Jesus says something we often tell the Sunday school children, 
he turns around and says, if you hear and you've heard what I have said to you and you obey it, you will be like a man who's built a house on a rock. And when the storms of life come and the wind and the rain and the tempest comes, you will stand firm. But he said, if you've listened to what I've said and you don't obey it and you don't do what I've asked, told you to do, you'll be like a man who built his life on sand. And when the storm comes, when the wind comes, when the floods come, you will go flat because you just not obeyed what I said. And I want the best for you. I want you to build your life on me and my words and you will be strong and stand firm. Okay, he's talked the talk. He's talked the talk. But can he walk the walk, as we say? He's done a lot of talking. Five sermons. You're only listening to me. Imagine five sermons. And he had sat on that mountain, the Sermon on the Mount, five discourses. And he comes down. And he puts what he's been teaching into action. And I want you to imagine the scene. They come down the mountain. And uh, they're all around him. I guess they're talking. They're discussing. And suddenly a leper appears. And you can imagine that the crowd would have recoiled in horror. Backed off big time. There's a leper. We're not going to be anywhere near that guy. And Jesus does something absolutely astounding. He goes and touches the guy. He broke the ceremonial law because Le- um, Leviticus 5.3 says, Touch no unclean thing or you will become unclean. What's he doing? Has he broken the law? Hold that thought in your head till a bit later. He certainly broke social rules of behavior, health and safety regulations. The cost of being a leper and having leprosy was high. There was various types of leprosy. Some burnt themselves out in three years. But whilst you add it, it tells us in Leviticus 13, 45, 46, the person with leprosy, an infectious disease, must wear torn clothes. It's quite common in those days in grief and anger to tear your clothes. Um, his hair must be unkempt, the lower part of his face must be covered, and he must, when he comes in and sees people, he must say, unclean, I'm unclean, and people will go nowhere near him. There was a terrible stigma to having this terrible disease. Now Jesus touches him. And you know, when he came down that mountain, he'd been proclaiming the kingdom. Now he was going to demonstrate it. And he was going to put the love for his creation, which had been marred by sin and evil and from the time of Adam and Eve in the garden, he wanted to put things right. He wanted to show that he was here to bring creation in power and the kingdom of God, not only in proclamation, but in demonstration. And does he ever do it by half? He comes, he's been, the Sermon on the Mount, he comes down, he heals the leper, the centurion's servant, Peter's mother-in-law, he drove out spirits, he healed the sick, then he calms a storm, all in these few chapters afterwards, showing his demonstration over creation, and he made it. And he made man. So he was like the chief mechanic and engineer. Two demon-possessed guys, a paralytic, a dead girl raised to life, showing his power over death. A sick woman healed, a blind and mute man healed, 
and it says he healed every sickness and disease. Now, what you've got to understand is um, t- Jesus was often called a rabbi. And it's interesting, uh, he's called rabbi, he's called teacher, and the garment that he wore was woven from one piece. And often the teachers and Pharisees would wear that sort of garment. Um, and he was certainly titled rabbi. And the Hebraic teaching and Greek teaching were two, had two different philosophies, two different ways of looking at things. Uh, the Hebrew was very much tell and show, very practical. Show and tell, tell and show, demonstrate what you teach, which is what he was doing. He taught and then he showed uh, the power of God. The Greek uh, teaching is quite different. It's more philosophy, it's more academic, it's certainly abstract. And the West, to a great part, has adopted that um, teaching style. And that's why you can send someone to university to get a degree in business studies, maybe do an MA, but they come out and I haven't got a clue how to run a business. Because it's all abstract. It's not practical. And I even saw a bit of that at Bible college. There's a lot of theory, and you get weary with theory. And it's putting that, and one thing I enjoyed at college more than lectures was the placements because I did applied theology so you went in and did placements and the Hebraic which is what Jesus was showing the Hebrew style of teaching you tell then you demonstrate it in show and he didn't even need to touch this leper he didn't have to touch him we know that because the next healing was the centurion servant and the centurion says Don't even come to my house. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. So what was Jesus demonstrating? And it's interesting, his instructions. He says to the leper, go to the priest. First of all, he says, don't tell anyone, but go to the priest as a testimony to them. I said earlier on, he broke the Levitical law. He didn't actually. And I'll tell you why, because Hebrews often calls Jesus, his title, the great high priest. For we do not have a high priest that is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. Let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. The leper unbeknown to himself, had actually obeyed that, because he'd gone to the great high priest, Jesus Christ. He presented himself to the great high priest who had the power to heal. And he says, go to the priest as a testimony. What he was saying, he's saying, hey guys, the great high priest is on the planet. You're redundant. No longer any sacrifices. No killing lambs. No more killing bulls. No more doves. No more sheep. Because on the cross it is finished. And you look to me, and you'll be healed. The great high priest is here. And the leper had gone to the great high priest. He didn't actually break the Levitical law at all, because he was the great high priest. He was the great high priest. And not only could he proclaim him clean, he demonstrated his power, and he was cleansed. And it's interesting that Luke eleven twenty, when Jesus was accused of um, casting out spirits and healing people by Beelzebub, by the devil. 
And he says, if I cast out spirits and heal the sick and by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God is here and upon you. He was demonstrating what he preached. And we need application. Who are the untouchables in our society? Who are the untouchables for you? Uh, when I go around doing demonstrations uh, uh, about city mission and presentations, um, I often get people say, oh, I couldn't, and they shudder. I couldn't do what you do. But for people like me and Brian, it's no problem, is it, Brian? We love the guys. It really is no problem to sit with a beggar or an addict or an alcoholic. It just isn't a problem. And it's not courageous or good of us. We just don't find it a problem because we're evangelists and evangelists are very odd people. You just see, you're just focused and you just don't see things perhaps as other people do. But I wonder, who you don't like, maybe people with AIDS, HIV, keep back, I don't know. I had an incident the other day, Tara, she's a lesbian, I spent a couple of hours with her and she was drinking a can of beer, poured a can open and it sliced through the top of her finger. And I said, oh, reached out. And she said, i got hepatitis C. Oh, you know. Back off, I said, no, no. So when he got some rubber gloves, washed it, put a plaster on. I wonder what you don't like touching. Um, when I worked for Elim Pentecostal headquarters, uh, right in their print department, one of their ministers died, and there was a lovely touching story. Um, he died, and another minister came into the church, and three o'clock in the morning, he got a phone call. And there was someone very upset, can I talk to Pastor John? And the pastor, oh, I'm ever so sorry. Pastor John died a few weeks back. Um, I, I'm taking his position. And suddenly there was this terrible crying on the end. And he said, where are you? I'll come and find you. And he went around this very dodgy, seedy area. Uh, and he found this uh, lady who was an addict. And to pay for it, it was a prostitute. And she was covered in vomit. The house was a mess. And he said, what on earth am I? She was crying and crying. He said, well, Pastor John... He broke all the social rules, this guy. He would go around and wash her. He'd help her out. He tried to get her into rehabs. And nobody in the church knew. I wonder what your untouchables would be. Me? I'm going to be honest with you now and confess that I find the drug barons make me very angry. And I find it hard to love them because I see the results of the stuff they sell. The other one is, uh, when Gloucester Prison was open, it shut this year, as you know, I used to spend quite a bit of time in Gloucester Prison, and they let me out again. Um, but there was a few people in there, got hold of one of my newsletters, and they were paedophiles on Seawing. And I used to come after, away from talking with them, needing prayer, because I felt tainted at some of the things they said. And I think I had a chat with Roger, he knows what I'm talking about. The way they view children... I wouldn't tell you publicly. They just couldn't see their lust was wrong. And that's what I find hard. I'm being honest with you. Untouchables. What don't we like touching? What do we find hard to love? London City Mission. Uh, and here in the late um, 19th century, there was an amazing, a huge outbreak of cholera. And London City Missioners, if you ever read their book, and their diary entries, they were amazing guys. They just kept going back, going back, going back to the same people regularly to be a friend for Christ. 
cholera broke out, the rich people were going. People who could go went. The poor people couldn't. And the city missions have always gone to the poor. And it said the city missioners were given the option to get out. And they said, no, we're staying. We're going back with the gospel. We're going back with the gospel. And led many to the Lord. Many died. I had a personal challenge a few years back. Um, Beryl and I done our shopping. And we got back, and like you do, oh, we forgot so-and-so. I said, well, it's not far away. I popped back and get it. And in those days, I was a bit foolish. I used to give out uh, New Testaments uh, with a fiver and a card in. Uh, to street people, I wouldn't do that now. But I did in those days. And I felt constrained to take one with me. And I, thought, and I was arguing with the Lord. Do you argue with the Lord? Well, he tells you to do something. And you're having this conversation. I see Brian, he knows what I'm talking about. And I thought, well, this is ridiculous. I'm only going to buy this item. And I went around. And you know all the tra- trolleys are shacked up in the corner. I suddenly saw these two big Brian eyes looking at me. And I thought there was a big dog in there or an animal. So I looked a bit closer and suddenly realized it was a human being. And I'd been going on the streets 14 years, but I'd never seen anything like this. This guy's hair was so long and matted with mud and leaves, it looked like feathers. His fingernails were like claws, and he was absolutely filthy. So in my usual manner, morning, mate, all right? And uh, gave him the gospel uh, and this five and a card. And then I felt like, give him a hug. I thought, you must be joking. Well, I did. But he was, that was a real challenge to me. And I think that was somewhere near the beginning of the ministry. But, you know, human beings have got a disease. It's called sin. And there's a guy in the Bible called Naaman. He had a disease, leprosy. And he was uh, an army leader of the king of Aram. And he'd taken, sometime in his life, he'd taken a little Jewish girl away, either captured her or bought her, and she was a slave. And this little girl said to her mistress, she said, there's a man in my country called Elijah, and he could actually heal the master. He can cleanse him. He's got the power. He's a man of God, and God is with him. They told him, you know the story, Naaman went with his servant, and you know what, Elijah and Elisha, both were very uh, surly characters, and not very polite, or they just weren't one for, you know, politeness really, and they arrived there, and the servant comes, what do you want? I want to be healed, I've been told to come here, and uh, so the servant goes back to Elisha, and says, there's this guy out here, he wants healing. Oh, tell him to go and dip himself in the Jordan seven times. Well, the guy got furious. He least expected Elijah to come out and do some ceremony with his hands or lay hands on him or sprinkle something. He said, go and dip in the river. is not very nice. He said, I've got better rivers at home. I'm not going to go and dump myself in that disgusting river. Servant was obviously knew him well. Calmed him down. He says, look, if the man of God had asked you to do something really big, would you have done it? Yeah, yeah. He said, well, he's only asking you to dump yourself in the river seven times. You know the story. Well, I've always like when I read the Bible, I always like to imagine the scene. I like to try and get into it. And I can imagine the guy going down the first time and getting up, still covered in leprosy, and looking at his servant. 
Second time, third time, fourth time, fifth time. And I can just imagine the look on his face in his servant. I told you, I'm looking at the right idiot here. And I guess maybe people gathered on the shore, I don't know, because he was quite a big man in uh, society, uh, being a leader of an army. Seventh time, he's healed. And it said his skin is like that of a child. He's totally healed because he did it God's way. And you know, Jesus said, and there's a verse in John 14, which people do not like these days. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And the trouble with man, they try to get rid of their sin, and the, which is like a disease, in their own way. They don't want to do it God's way. But there's no other way. Isaiah said, all our righteousness is like filthy rags, and we are like a leper. He says, it's Isaiah 64, verse 6, you can read it. We are all like one unclean. In other words, a leper. Now that's strong wording. He's saying, with your sin, you are no better than a leper. In fact, any righteousness you think you got, if you think it's going to get you into heaven, is like filthy rags. But there's great news. Because he also says in Isaiah, though your sins are like scarlet, absolutely glaring to everyone, they will be white as snow. And 1 John 1.7, we've just been round this beautiful place, the table, with the bread and wine. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will cleanse us from all unrighteousness and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses from all sin. It's a show and tell gospel. Fear is not enough. God kept reaching down to man, reaching down. There was a missionary in India. And if you know the Hindus, they believe in reincarnation. And they're very concerned about insects and things they step on. Uh, it might be Uncle Harry or somebody. Uh, and they're very concerned about that. And he's, he was trying to convey the feeling of God's love to people and the good news of the gospel. And he saw a fisherman on the Ganges um, suddenly reach into the water. And he thought, what's he going for? And he reached over and there was a scorpion struggling in the water. And he reached out and the thing stung him. He reached out, it stung him. He reached down, it stung him. And he finally got it out and put it on the branch and it was saved. And you know, God keeps reaching down to mankind. Keep reaching down, reaching down, reaching down. City missionaries, we keep going out, going out. Uh, and people reject, people sting, people hurt because they're angry and they're hurting. But only God can do that. I just want to read Matthew 8. Sorry, Matthew 10. Turn to it if you like, Matthew 10, 7, 8. In Matthew 8... Jesus did the theory. Then he did the demonstration and the practical and the walking in love. And he showed them. Then, and we listed all those healings and the raising of the dead and the miracles and the uh, demonstration of his power even over creation and the weather. And then he says something to his disciples which must have frightened the life out of them. 
And uh, as far as I can see in the Bible, the instructions to the disciples had never been rescinded. So this is for you as well. Uh, Matthew 10, 7, 8. It's when um, he sent the 12 out. He says, as you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you have received, freely give. And that has never been rescinded. It's to tell and show gospel. And we need not only to listen. I mean, one of the things about sermons is maybe very often we listen, we have a cup of coffee. If, you, if you've done reasonably well, somebody might come and say, good sermon. Um, but by lunchtime, it's probably forgotten. And, but we've got to apply what's going on. Are we okay over here? So we're going to finish now with a hymn. Um, and then at the end, I just want to encourage you that uh, there's people here who would be very happy to pray for you. If you need prayer for anything, maybe it could be problems, could be hurts, could be you need more power, you need a touch of God, you, you need healing. And we've got quite a few of our elders here today. And I know myself and perhaps Chris be quite happy to pray. So if we could sing... Uh, in Christ alone, stand and sing. In Christ alone, my hope is found. And there will be opportunity, if you need prayer, just to come quietly to the front. And I'm sure I can rustle up some people who'd be happy to pray. But take away the thought, it's the tell and show gospel. And we've got a responsibility to demonstrate the gospel as well as proclaim it with his power, his authority, and his love. It's his power in us that works the miracles.